So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hi, everyone. It's time for another episode of News Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares. I'm your host. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant. I love helping lawyers and law firms use technology better. Before we get started with my guest, Kelly Roberts, today, we're going to hear a couple messages from some sponsors. Ross Intelligence is the legal research platform that leverages AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Go to rossintelligence.com for a 14-day free trial. Want to make sure and thank Alert Communications for sponsoring today's episode. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services that are available 24-7, 365, call 866-827-5568. Thanks to our sponsor, Clio. And be sure to check out Clio's Daily Matters podcast featuring valuable perspective on legal in the COVID-19 era. Listen to Daily Matters at clio.com forward slash daily or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Visit lawclerk.legal to learn how to increase your productivity and your profits by working with talented freelance lawyers. All right. Hey, Kelly. Hi. It's so nice to see you. Thanks for taking some time to come on and uh, you know share some pearls with some listeners. Oh, not at all. I am a total new solo fan. And uh, <laughs> so it, it definitely helps me get started. So I'm just paying it forward. I love it. I'm so glad. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice and, um, you know, what goes on in, in Florida for you. Oh, so uh, I am a bankruptcy and small business attorney here in Sarasota, Florida. I started my practice in Miami, so I like to think I've seen it all. <laughs> I, I spent eight years there, and uh, my husband and I and our young daughter moved over to Sarasota in 2018. I run my practice by myself. I don't have staff at this moment. But I'm able to take a lot of the tips that I've learned from New Solo to kind of take the place of a staff member. And it's just really kind of helped me market myself and develop my practice so that it's just benefited my practice a lot in how I've set it up. Well, I'm excited for you to share some of those tips that you've learned and that you've experienced. But before we do that, I want to remind you of an email that you sent me Let's see, this would have been, okay, 2019, April 2019, about a year ago. You had listened to an episode that I did with Paige Greenlee and Brittany Maxey, and you wrote, I liked it a lot. The employee talk I can relate to. As much as I hate spending time away from lawyering with administrative work, I don't look forward to substituting that time with training and supervising. So I'm wondering, you know, that was what, how you felt a year and a half ago, and how long have you had your solo practice? It seems a lot longer, but I started in March 2019. So that was right after. <laughs> and what's funny is you said it is so important to find the right fit. So it sounds like back then you were thinking about whether or not you were going to eventually hire someone to help you. But I know I'll have to be prepared to kiss a lot of frogs along the way. <laughs> and then this is the real reason I wanted to read this because I think it's so great. And I want you to tell me the story. 
I can see why my dad had the same assistant for 25 years and even bought her a car. (laughs) So your dad was a lawyer too? Yes, he did family law in Arizona. He was born to be a solo. He had his own office. So when against his wishes, I went to law school, which he he tried to dissuade me as much as possible. And I'll probably do the same thing to my daughter. Uh, I just was, I had the solo in me. But when I worked in Miami, at the time that I went to work for my mentor, Jim Schwatala, at the time, he had seven employees. Mm -hmm. And as we kind of went through, we saw that it wasn't an efficient way to do things. And that there were really only a few employees you could really trust. So we ended up whittling down to that essential crew, which, hi, Jim, um, but uh, he, he's got a great crew over there now. But that's such a process to really hire someone, train them, and then see if they're going to work out because they have to be able to have the knowledge. They have to have the finesse with the clients and they have to be dedicated. Right. So you decided, you know, it sounds like from the beginning, you were weary about hiring staff. And so you must have picked up some tips and some technology and figured out how to go. You've been a year at it now by yourself. So tell us, what are some of the tools you've used or the tips you've got or the things you've learned when you were launching only a year or so ago? In in the beginning, I knew that if I wasn't going to have staff, that I would have to be really organized, which means with time management, There needs to be an hour of time a day set aside for those administrative tasks. Do you calendar that? Like actually put it on your calendar or do you just try to fit it in between stuff? I try to fit it in between things, but normally that's the first thing I do in the day is I go through and take care of QuickBooks, do the mail, any checks, And that helps me kind of put together my punch list for the day. I make myself little lists. (laughs) I write them out. I'm all about lists and I keep everything organized. And I'm not just saying this because they're a sponsor, but I did a lot of research when I was planning to get started about what technology would help me when I was on my own to help me with shortcuts, help me keep organized and really dovetailed with the practice that I was in. For me, I'm a bankruptcy attorney and I help with people who are getting started with their businesses. It's easier with the clients who have an asset purchase or something like that where there is a timeline already in place or an expectation and they're ready to move. But for me, Clio Grow has been really useful. I questioned the cost at the beginning when I was pricing out everything because you can get way overboard with the subscriptions and way overboard with the services. But I really did the research of what would fit with my practice. So a lot of my startup work, as well as the bankruptcy work, you'll have a consultation and you may not hear from that client for six months. So I don't want them in my client management system yet if I'm not retained and not paid and I don't want to lose their information because, of course, when they call in six months, they want you to have total recall of everything that you talked about. (laughs) I do that with my doctor. I'm like, wait, I was here two years ago. How do you not remember that? 
So Clio Grow has allowed me to categorize where people are in the process. They allow you to create categories as well as there's some that are put in there as default as to made contact, consultation scheduled, pending engagement. I've put some other things uh, like disappeared or needed to wait. (laughs) Right. I have one called no go, like they just disappeared. So let me explain real quick in case listeners aren't familiar with the product that you're talking about. So Clio is of course a sponsor and my personal favorite of all the practice management systems that exist. But as I say, every time Clio has great competitors. So whatever you use, make sure you're using it all the way. With Clio, there's two products. One is called Clio Manage and the other is called Clio Grow. So Manage has always been their flagship product with helps with practice management, dates, deadlines, documents. It has the client portal. So that's for actively working through a case. What you're talking about is Clio Grow, which is their intake module, so to speak. And it's typically where, you know, the the PNC, the potential new client comes in and you log them in there. So that's what you're talking about. You're saying whenever a potential new client comes in, you start the intake process inside Grow. And then when they become a client, eventually you move them onto the manage side of Clio. Right. When they convert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. So that's allowed me to keep really organized. The quick intake is really easy. So even if they're coming to me from Yelp or Avo or something like that, and I was able to integrate the contact form from Clio Grow into my website. So when someone contacts me on the website, it automatically puts together a quick intake on uh, Clio Grow, which I can choose to ignore or add you know, if it's spam or something, which I usually don't get, that's the other thing. Don't do your own website. There's people that are very Good proficient tip. at it and they're not costly. Just make sure that if you are looking for someone who is going to do your website and you want it to be affordable, that you do the research ahead of time to make sure that you know exactly what you want. Tell them the colors. Give them examples of websites that you like. Have the pictures ready. Have your content ready. Have the content ready. That's key. Which takes forever. (laughs) It was almost like a second job. Well, I mean, getting the lead time. You know, if you're going to, that would be one of the tips for when you're preparing to, to go out on your own. Decide what entity type you want. Get in touch with an accountant so that you can touch base with them. And that way, if you get into trouble with your QuickBooks early on, you have someone to tap for that. Luckily, I've had some experience with QuickBooks, but I know from my business clients, sometimes <laughs> the QuickBooks are kind of a mess. So not everybody, it, that's their their shtick. So if it's not your shtick, just admit it and ask for help and budget for that. Talk to the account, ask what their regular fees are, and be honest with yourself about how much help you need. Do you need bookkeeping or, you know, you need help with all your quarterlies or is it just tax help? And make sure that you're communicating with your accountant and giving them access to the QuickBooks earlier before you are filing your taxes so that you make sure that you're going to give them information in a way that's going to make your taxes not five or $7,000 for your accountant to do. Great. 
have you done by any chance, I probably should have asked you to do this before, but I have a feeling you have a good idea in your head, what your monthly spend is on subscriptions? I think I just ran this as far as, I mean, my... Are you under 500? Yes. Okay. It's it's hard for me to tell because a lot of... I'm also kind of a, a choose FI person as well. So when I set up my... Uh, and that's a choose financial independence for people who don't know. So I, when I got my office started... I do a lot of my subscriptions on an annual basis. So I get the discount from paying them up front. Good, good. And then I also used a rewards credit card to do all my annual subscriptions right when I opened my firm. And I was able to pay off the entire balance my second month of practice. I was profitable month two, but I was able to go to Hawaii on the points. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it is a little hard to factor, but you figure with all those perks, I think anyone who can run a business with their critical business services, and I bet you're not even at 500. I just use that kind of as the threshold, which I say this all the time, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, when I was helping lawyers start law firms, this was a very different conversation. So no matter, I know you're going to be under about 500 and that's, that should give anyone hope that you can run a practice because for the average lawyer, that should be somewhere between one and four billable hours that's helping you cover the costs of your subscription services. One last question just about the basics before we take a quick break. You are in an office. So did you get office space rather than working from home or are you working from home? And this was before the madness of the COVID crisis started. I have everything set up cloud-based so I can practice anywhere. I found it necessary to get an office in pretty short order. I think that I had office space starting in May mm-hmm. and I opened in March, but it, it's I work in an office. Okay. And I think there's... I just think some people like an office, want an office, need an office. Just find an office that provides you with the services or the parking or the amenities that you need and fits within your budget. But as a lot of us are now working from home too, to be able to just pick up and go or work from Hawaii because you've set up your office in a way that allows you to do that is really smart. Well, let's take a quick break, pay some bills, as they say, and we'll be right back. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-827. 5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. Artificial intelligence won't outpace lawyers anytime soon, but lawyers who use AI are already outpacing lawyers who do not. With Ross Intelligence, lawyers conducting legal research leverage AI to get to the heart of legal issues fast. Ask a question on the Ross Legal Research platform and Ross will return on point case law. Go to rossintelligence.com today and get a 14 day free trial. Use promo code LEGALTALK for 10% off. Okay, we're back. Oh, hey, Kelly, wait. Before I ask you my next question, you didn't tell me the story about your dad having bought his assistant a car. (laughs) Oh, she deserved it, too. That's awesome. (laughs) No, I Um, love it. 
My my dad is a complete character and very high maintenance. And I think that anytime she thought of retiring or transitioning or doing something else, he just had to keep sweetening the pot. I love it. She moved farther away because her and her husband had found a, a house that I believe was about 45 an hour away from the office. Uh-huh. So he was worried that she was going to not <laughs> keep working. So he bought her a car and paid for her gas. That's hilarious. You know, I will say in all my years of working with lawyers, one of the things that I love the most about them is how truly loyal they are to their assistants that become family. I love that story. That's great. I'm sure she appreciated it. Is he still practicing? No, he retired, much to my mom's dismay, because now she has to deal with him. He's at home all the time. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, back to you. You're and 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 wait, your husband's a lawyer too. Yes. Yes, we both make poor decisions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. And he works for a bigger outfit, right? Yes. He was at a large law firm in Miami, and now he's gone in-house with a company, oh. and he loves it over there. It's a good f- back office all the way for right. him. He's very much a risk-averse and not of the solo mentality. So right. when I decided to go solo, there were a lot of questions and doubts and reservations. So what lessons has he learned in the past year from you? I don't I don't know about lessons. I think, <laughs> you know, this morning we were talking about me going on the podcast and he was very nostalgic about the whole process, but when we were doing it, it was it was hard. It's a transition like any other. And I, I think that would be one of my tips is if you have a significant other or a husband or you live with family, prepare them for how dedicated. I mean, this is like having a baby that your business is your baby. So you're going to have to divert a lot of attention energy, focus away from your family in order to get the momentum together to make your your firm, your practice successful. So make sure that you're preparing your family for that, but also calendar time to be appreciative. You know, with my husband, I tried to put together some time where three hours, I will take care of our young rabid raccoon toddler and go <laughs> go spend time doing whatever it is that you want to do and I'll take care of the house for a while don't get so wrapped up in your practice that you forget why you're doing it you're doing it to benefit your family and be able to have the balance and focus that you can't do when you're working for someone else you're being the master of your own destiny, but that destiny is intertwined with other people. You know, I think it's something we forget a lot that when you're a solo or a small firm, it's a family business. You know, your family isn't coming into the office every day, but they are part of the business. There, it, it is, and I think that's a, a great reminder for everyone: is that you have to include as much as possible, talk to and prepare them, and then, of course, always consider all the responsibilities that we all have. But it is—it's a family business, and I think a lot of times we just it doesn't come across that way. You know, you think you're solo and an entrepreneur, but listen to everything you just said. You just said, you know, all this for my family and 
because of my family and thanks to his support, you know, you weren't sitting on the beach every day like he thought you were going to be when you were launching your practice. <laughs> he he didn't think that. I think that for him, he's used to more institutional clients or larger clients. So dealing with, you know, I deal with small business owners, I deal with people in financial distress, they're individuals. Mm-hmm. And for us, we had just moved here. So I was a, a newbie in a new town and going out on my own. And to the, him, that was very scary at yeah, the time. I'm sure. So I had to reassure him that I could make it work, but that's hard to do. It's sure. like having, you know, I don't know, it, proving something exists that you can't see. Right. So it's a good way to put it. With the practice, I finally just had to jump in and and do it. I think that he would say now he did consent, but I think it was questionable whether he's ready (laughs) or not. And and now it's turned out that I'm I'm you know happy to be very successful and and, and very it's our, solo and our success together absolutely I think he's he's very happy that I did it now yeah and maybe possibly thinking why I didn't do it sooner but it it's turned out well but he you know definitely your family members getting your household budget in order and making sure that you know being being a solo in the very beginning doesn't just mean being lean and mean in your office. It means in your household, you have to support your family. So before in preparation, you want to make sure that you're looking at your expenses and that you're consulting with your spouse or your family or significant other that how are you going to pay expenses and are you going to, while you're waiting to become profitable, what are you going to do? Or do you need to build up savings in order to do that? There's a lot of planning that goes into place, but it's not just, you know, I'm going to get an office and hire a paralegal and she'll do all the work and I just have to find clients. That's that's not a great approach. <laughs> and, and so when you moved to Sarasota and, and launched your practice, you were new in town. So I want to ask you about your involvement with in networking and the legal community, because you help organize the annual bankruptcy conference for the Florida Bar. You're a member of the Florida Women Association of Lawyers. And so when you moved, how about telling us a little bit about just, you know, digging into the local community and getting those new clients? I mean, if you move from Miami to Sarasota, you were starting from scratch, right? You didn't bring clients with you. You had to start from scratch. So give us a couple tips on on how you managed to do that. In Miami, I was very involved with the University of Miami. I'm an alumni of the law school there. I was heavily involved with the bankruptcy bar in the Southern District of Florida. So I had some practice on getting involved and knowing some people. And I really just tapped my network in Miami to have them help introduce me to people in the area, which I have to tell you, it was kind of hit or miss. There were plenty of times that I was trying to network with people and you're just sending that email. And my, my husband says I have no fear of rejection or that I don't handle it like other people. (laughs) I consider that a compliment. So I'm just like, you don't know what you're missing out on. Um, No, but but I I reached out. I I got involved with uh, Sarasota County Bar 
And I went to the Manatee County Bar events as well as the Tampa Bay Bankruptcy Bar. And I just, I was very observant and anyone that seemed like a kindred spirit or kind of a a fun female lawyer like me, I really reached out. In fact, a local attorney, Erin Itz, I remember I had lunch with her. I took her out to lunch and and I told her, just so you know, you're part of my village now. You don't Aww. know yet, but we're great friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that. I think that's so important. And, you know, with so many new solos popping up now, and I say that as if that's new. They're popping up all the time. But now I think more than ever, that's harder today, right? But what I want to remind people is that we're in this weird temporary world. We're going to eventually get to go back to normal. And I and I just want to remind lawyers, and I think probably any business person needs to hear this. We hear this all the time. Networking is important. Get out in the community. Get to know people. It's really true that it really makes a difference when you do that. Absolutely. When you're making referrals, I know for me, if I know the person and know how they're going to treat the referral and how they're going to communicate and what their expertise level is, that's really important. That's really important for me to have that trust to send over the referral to another attorney, a bookkeeping service, a CPA. That's so important because if there's a complaint, then it comes back to me and makes me look bad. And I really don't want that. That would be one of the things that I would say is a tip for starting your practice. And I am lucky to have this great network of female attorneys who are other Miami law grads or my great friends in the Southern District of Florida, which is West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, and and Miami. And I've been able to build a great network here in Sarasota in a short period of time. And that's mostly because my friends like me and they were accepting of me. So that's a very important. Thank you. Um, You're very um, (laughs) likable. I try. But the way that in my local community, I think that I was really able to solidify some good relationships is really reaching out to get to know other attorneys about their practice, what they do, what they specialize in. If I was on opposing sides on a commercial lease dispute, I would reach out to the other attorney, have a phone call, maybe go out to lunch. In that particular situation that I'm thinking of, we pass cases all the time to each other, clients Mm -hmm. all the time. And I think that the temptation for new solos to practice what, you know, door law, anything that comes in the door, there's that temptation there. And I got some advice from one of my great female mentors that uh, she said two statements that really stuck out to me. Cream rises to the top. If you do a good job, do work. People are going to get to know you. Your name is going to be everywhere and you're going to start to have the momentum and the cases come in. So don't worry if it's slow in the beginning, which I would say is absolutely true. Yeah. The other thing is don't take the cases you know you shouldn't. Don't be tempted to take something that is outside of your expertise, outside of your wheelhouse. Take that as an opportunity. Don't Don't think of it as money that you're leaving on the table by not taking the client. Take that opportunity to pass that case off as a quality referral 
to an attorney that's then going to give you referrals for cases that you actually want. That's been in the beginning. I think I referred out more cases than oh, I took. That's really good advice, though. Yeah, no, that and that really helped me to kind of build that momentum of that communication with that other attorney, getting to know them. And it's not just giving the client the name, it's saying, hey, can I introduce you to this person? And then sending them an email introduction with that, you know, to that attorney and really locking in the communication right then and there. So, and that builds loyalty with your referral sources. Well, with that great tip, we're going to take one more break and then come back. The legal industry is undergoing a fundamental transformation, and the Daily Matters podcast is here to give you a competitive edge. In Daily Matters, Clio CEO Jack Newton interviews prominent legal experts to explore how solo and small firm lawyers can succeed in the current economic environment. To listen, visit clio.com forward slash daily or subscribe to Daily Matters wherever you get your podcasts. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Signing up is free and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code NEWSOLO to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. All right, we're back. Kelly, you ended up on the last segment just reminding people that not only is networking good, but two really good tips about starting that practice, which is cream cream rises. What was it? Cream rises to the top? Cream rises to the top. If you're good at what you do, people will know it and they will trust you with their referrals. So the work will come, you know, if you- It will come. Right. If, if you feel like you aren't able to network as much, such as in this COVID era of Zoom calls and not being able to network, write articles, write blogs, write guest blogs for some of your friends who don't have time to write. I know I would I would share any of my friends if they wanted to share some expertise to, you know, on my site or promote other people. I would absolutely do that. But try and contact your bar associations or other, you know, Florida bar organizations that you're a part of or sections. I know they they love free content. They love free they do. work. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's funny, you kind of read my mind because I was going to say, I was going to ask you, have you come up with any creative ways to continue your profitable and successful networking during this time? You just gave us some tips. And I'll say this with my experience working with and for the San Diego County Bar Association, they have done so much for their members. I should say we, I'm a, I'm a part of that. And it's all been remote. Our engagement with members has been through the roof and higher because we've been providing more remote content so everyone doesn't have to you know, show up at the bar. So that's actually a great suggestion to reach out to your local bar and say, hey, let me give a webinar on the, this particular topic, whether it's um, substantive in nature or if it's marketing or practice management, something, they'll appreciate it. They want that. Your your local bars, your local, uh, your voluntary associations, they need you right now. They want fresh content and fresh minds. So that's a really good tip there too. And also write about the cases you want. Don't write about something off the wall. Give it in a digestible content yeah. way where attorneys that don't do what you do can understand what your practice is 
and refer you the work. Right. It helps them identify who's a good referral for you. Or next time that issue comes up, they'll think of you and send it to you. I'll give one quick tip that I saw on the internet. My dear friend Dan Lear, who's well-known in the legal tech community, several months ago gave a tip for networking remotely. And I wonder if anyone has actually done this, but he tweeted out and said, you know, invite a friend to a Zoom meeting and then tell that friend or colleague to invite someone you don't know, and you're going to do the same and just meet for a coffee over Zoom with two new new strangers, potential members of your network. And I thought that was a really cool, neat idea. We are a little bit all Zoomed out, but there's no reason to sit in a hole just because we're all sort of sitting in a hole. <laughs> we still have the internet and all the beautiful capabilities that it affords us. So Kelly, it's been a year and a couple months since you started your practice. What what are your goals now? You know, sort of you've got a groove. You've got sounds like you've got a good flow of clients coming in. You're able to work from every, anywhere. What are your goals? I would love to be able to delegate, <laughs> but I'm just I'm I'm not in that headspace yet. But I'm getting busy enough that it is hard to to really. I mean, I believe that for the for the past three days, I've gotten up at 5.30 and pretty much worked until 7. So, yeah. But it's not always like that. It's just for me, August and September, for some reason, are just really busy. So I, I take advantage of the slower times, but I'm thinking next year that I'm either going to have to engage a call service to help me okay. when I'm with a client or doing something and someone needs to answer the phone or that I need to hire an assistant, but I am not there yet, but I, I'm working on it. It's one of those things where I am a control freak and quality control is really important to me. And usually if I'm able to answer the phone, a lot of my business clients love that I answer the phone. So they're able to get access to me, which enhances their experience with the representation. There's always clear communication there. There's not a lag time in me responding. So I've got kind of got them hooked on that. I have just, you know, been so lucky that I have really taken my friend's advice about picking the cases that I want to do. And then when you get busy enough with the amount of cases, then you can pick the clients that you want, not just the cases you want, where if it's not a great fit or, you know, that client you feel like is maybe more morally or ethically fluid, then you really, really joins with you (laughs) that you can just say, you know, uh, no, you know, I don't think we're a great fit or, you know, the turnaround times that you need for your matter are not going to work with what I have in the queue right now. I'm really trying to get the clients acquainted with the concept of the queue. (laughs) We have a queue. If you bring, you know, not everything's going to be a 24 hour turnaround. But, you know, I'm really lucky to have great clients and that in uh, doing my own practice, I've really tried to keep that communication about what the expectations of the client are and what they can expect from me and communicate with them with updates and just communication is key to a happy client. That's very true. I think my other tip would be I've had a couple of attorneys call me now that bankruptcy is in vogue. 
Um, about <laughs> sadly, <laughs> so, well, in January it's going to be really in vogue. But uh, how to open up their own bankruptcy practice? And well, I just need office space, and I get an experienced paralegal, and and that's it, right? And and just pay for a bunch of advertising, just throw money at advertising. And really, I, I think that's kind of the opposite of what you should do in the beginning. And for me, I'm, I'm still working through it, but knowing how to do everything in your office allows you to be efficient, allows you to know what programs, subscriptions, services, and things like that are really giving you bang for your buck because you're using them on a regular basis. Right. And also where the holes in your practice are where you can, you know, I'm still in the subscription service automation phase of my practice where, you know, <laughs> kissing frogs and hiring another human being seems really stressful to me right now. I'd rather I'd rather throw an extra $500 at subscriptions if I can integrate it with my technology and see this is the delegating. I can't it's right. all got to come back to me. <laughs> well, what you really need to start doing is, and maybe you have, is creating your office manual, you know, the systems book, so that when you are doing it, you have to chronicle it, and then there it is. Because if you wait to try and do that until you've hired the assistant, it'll never get done. So, you know, maybe on your checklist, one of your checklists, it should be, okay, today I'm going to chronicle how I close a matter. Uh, how do I open a matter? And it's important to to start documenting that, I think, when you are a solo. I've been helping this one new solo, and he's a little slow right now to get started, and we're using his time very productively like you did, and that's one of the things. Everything we do is, well, think about when you have an assistant, because it's easy to start a solo practice and do everything well, it's just me. But with him, we've been doing a lot of, well, what about when you have an assistant? Oh, yeah, you're right. I better do it the right way. Anyway, long story short, it, you could easily do that even just by talking into your phone, writing down the steps, hiring fancy hands is what I use as an ad hoc admin of a, administrative assistant when I need just data entry and stuff. I send an audio file, they type it out, I get it back, and then I make it better. You know, So I was going to ask you, just quick side question, curious if you don't mind sharing with us, as a busy solo, and you've had your practice for a year, how, what's your caseload like? Are you carrying 10 clients, 50 clients, 100 clients? Active matters. Let me say it that way. Active matters. Like, what can you handle? It's hard. I try to, there's cases that are in different stages. So I would say that I probably have 15 bankruptcies that are in different stages. Okay. I have, you know, three clients that are just on retainer, they're individuals, and that's more like debt negotiation, asset mm -hmm. protection, consulting. And then my business practice really fluctuates and I've been successful where usually a business client will come with one particular project in mind and then they'll just continue. They keep they'll, you, right. They right. keep me on. Mm -hmm. Even if it's something where I help them with that particular project and six months later they have something else or things that pop up continuously for some clients so with the businesses that I have, that's kind of hard to approximate because sure. they have different needs at different times. But um, it sounds like you probably don't have more than 20, 25 active at a time. Not, not bubbling. Not okay, bubbling. Yeah. In the, in the yeah. background, there's 
more than that. I you're you're yeah, right, you're yeah. stressing me out. I don't <laughs> Sorry. But I definitely and you know, I'm definitely still at the stage where I think in, in the bankruptcy practice, because it is more of a Are you volume. getting hives? I think I see you no. getting hives. No, I'm oh. kidding. I I guess what I was trying to sort of articulate is I think when you're a new solo, you think, oh my God, I'm gonna need 60, 70 clients to survive. But the truth is you don't, you know, you you need you need less, but quality. And that kind of circles back to everything that you were saying before, which is pick your clients, pick your cases, be prepared, be organized, be communicative. They'll keep you. Right. Absolutely. And in the very beginning, and even now, you know, a, a very happy, very pleased client that loves you is better than $10,000 a month of advertising. I, or aggravation with a crappy <laughs> client. How about that? <laughs> right. I, I Unfortunately, I've had to let a few clients go, but those are clients that are begging to come back and I'm happy for that, but they're just not, you know, the fit isn't right and their needs aren't conducive to me properly serving my other clients. So, you know, you have your work family, which is, you know, when you're a small business lawyer, you know, your businesses, you, you're their main cheerleader. You're, you know, you're really involved in what's going on on a daily basis. You have to properly serve them and make them happy. So you want to make sure that when you're bringing on new matters or you're bringing on new clients, that the number, the complexity of the new matter or that new client is not going to be to the detriment of your other clients. That's great. All right, Kelly. Well, I've taken up enough of your very busy time today. I want to say thank you so much. I really, I knew, I knew when we first met a year, I remember I said to you, you tell me when you're ready to come on new solo. <laughs> and you were like, oh, I don't know. When will that ever happen? So about a year and a half later. Well, I'm, I'm such a fangirl. So this is, you know, it, you know, and that's something that, you know, when you're getting started, a new solo for me was helping me get that confidence and the competence and helping me budget everything and find those programs. It was so helpful. So I'm just so happy to be here and, and contribute you. to the new solo family. <laughs> well, I love it. And I, oh, I can't do it without great guests. And I have had a lot of experts and uh, vendors on for the past few episodes. So I was really glad to come back to a lawyer that I knew would have some great pearls. So tell everybody where they can find friend or follow you if they want to hear more from you or chat with you or invite you to a Zoom networking meeting. My email is kelly at kellyrobertslaw.com. I'm here in Sarasota and available via Zoom like everybody else. <laughs> so feel free to reach out via uh, email with any questions you have. I know I'm, you know, a big proponent of the programs that I'm using. I'm happy to share my experience and how it's helped. And um, you know what? I should have asked you that in the beginning. So you've got Clio for practice management. You've got a PC. I know you're a PC. Do you have Office 365? Yes. Acrobat? Okay. And do you use a special bankruptcy program? Uh, yes, I use Best Case. And the Acrobat is amazing. Yeah. I, I believe that I pay $14 and some change a month. That's right. And I use that. I'm I'm a huge redacting person because I am in the bankruptcy practice and being able to edit PDFs and do mm -hmm. the um the redacting and and I'm a electronic sign, everything Good. like that. Yeah. I, I've been using 
I've upgraded my Zoom subscription because with my bankruptcy clients, I can share the screen with what is going on with Best Case and review their schedules line by line using uh, the Zoom application. That's about it, I guess. Yeah, you don't need a ton of stuff because a lot of it has, you know, like Clio has a lot of stuff crammed into it and the bankruptcy software has a bunch. So you keep your tech stack short, your subscriptions low and your networking efforts high. Sounds like you're going to do all right in the school of how to start a successful solo practice of Kelly Roberts. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, with the subscriptions, I really, instead of just getting them all at once, I got used to using the program, seeing the, the components that I liked and what I didn't like. And then I would supplement based on what just worked best for me and my clients. I love it. Well, thanks, Kelly. It's been really great having you here. I super, super appreciate it. All right, everyone. I hope we uh, picked up some good tips. It looks like we've reached the end of our program, which is always a bummer. So if you like what you've heard today, we'd appreciate it if you'd share New Solo with friends and um, colleagues who might be starting their practice or not. I think New Solo has a lot of good topics, even if you've been practicing for a while. So be sure to let us know if you like this episode by giving us a five-star rating and hope to see you soon next month on New Solo. And remember, you're not alone. You're a New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice. Solo, here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.